to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On this podcast, um, we're going to be going through the works of the Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli one by one through the eyes of me, a fan of Ghibli's work, and Trevor, who is new to the works of Studio Ghibli. Right now, um, where we are at the moment, we've we've gone through Miyazaki's first three movies, the two he did before Studio Ghibli was founded, which is Lupin Third, Castle of Cagliostro, and Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And we've already done, we spoke last time about La Pita Castle in the Sky, the first production after Studio Ghibli was founded. And now we're on to My Neighbor Totoro. So just as a brief synopsis, um, this movie is about... Two girls who move to the country to be near their sick mother, who's in a sort of hospital nearby, um, and the adventures they have with this magical forest creature who lives nearby in in the big tree in their sort of small town. And his name is Totoro. And there's a whole bunch of other little Totoros as well. I think that I think they have technical names. I have read about this in the past. They have like there's like different types of Totoros, but um, the movie doesn't at all get into Totoro lore. So, uh, Trevor, I haven't, I don't have any idea what you think of this movie. Um, do you want, I guess, similar to before, where do you think this sort of fits into the sort of Miyazaki canon? Do you think this is a something new, similar, something quite similar to the other movies? Is it going for something different? Is it going for the same same things, or is it, yeah? What, what did you think of this movie in in terms of Miyazaki's um, films to date? Um, this one was very different. Um, I mean, it's not a, le- a level of f- the f- fantasy and the fantastical, but it was, it's definitely feels different from the first three and more so the first two. I mean, the last two we did, Nausicaa and Lapita, but, um, guess what? There wasn't a princess this time. It wasn't a story <laughs> about a princess. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was way more of a family centric this was a character film it kind of felt like the first time in a miyazaki film or a studio ghibli film that we're not so much focused on world building and plot and adventure and we're more focused on these two young girls and their parents and them going through trauma it was very different yeah i mean and I guess you could also th- see this as potentially um, aiming. I mean, I-, I think people of all ages can enjoy it, but it it, d- it definitely feels like it's maybe aiming for a slightly younger audience or something. It's it's very much more of a family friendly movie, even though it has it has serious things on its mind and it, it does have the-, the the kids dealing with you know issues of you know their their mother's sickness. But it's very much it's almost it, it is very much from the ch- the kids' perspective. You know, it, it doesn't sort of like... Yeah, but I kind of disagree with you, actually. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to like say that a, that a kid couldn't watch this and enjoy it, but this one felt like... It felt more nostalgic to me. It felt more like a harken back to like, if I was older and I, had, I was thinking about my childhood and if I was going through certain things and the ways in which I would cope with those things, maybe it was this escapism or this uh, world building in my own mind. And so I... I think that a kid watching this movie is going to be a very different experience from a an adult watching this movie, but I don't think that I wouldn't call it kid centric. 
but you don't think it's sort of told sort of from like especially the fantastical elements you don't think it's sort of told with sort of like a childlike wonder like from the perspective of these um young characters oh no it definitely is i just feel like it's i feel like that's why it 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 works because it does it does show it from perspective of a kid and a kid watching this would be like oh that's exciting this is like me having an imaginary friend or me when i when i play outside and i i have an imagination but as a as an adult watching this film i think it's a completely different experience but it's just as rewarding because it's more about um what's the word i'm searching for it's more about a a review kind of of your of and we've touched on this word and i hate keep saying it but nostalgia it's like remembering your childlike sense of wonder when you were younger because it is it felt more it just felt more serious than just than an adventure film with kids experiencing spirits and things like that would be so it felt more sure. kind of grown up it's i mean in many ways it's even though you know the the totter of the title is this weird furry fantastical creature the movie does feel a lot more grounded than anything that Miyazaki has done before and i believe i didn't i didn't check this before watching i believe some of this is sort of based on maybe either his childhood or memories from childhood of going out to the country even if he sort of maybe didn't have this exact see and i would feel that like i i feel that yeah i mean and it's very much it's not it's not it it doesn't feel like it's set in the eight the late 80s when it was produced it feels like it's set um mm-hmm. you know maybe in the 50s or 60s or something in sort of a simpler time okay so so you're saying it sort of felt like a more serious film how do you feel about the way the film sort of intertwined the sort of mundane um seriousness of life and these sort of fantastical like bizarre fantastical sort of adventures that they go on yeah i guess i guess that's kind of what i was touching on earlier when i said that i feel like I feel like the children's response to their mom being sick. And in the beginning, it, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I thought the mom was going to die right when the movie started and she's like sick in this hospital and they're, they've moved, they uprooted their life so they could be closer to her. I was like, she's going to die. And this movie is about these young kids coming to terms with the mortality of their parents. And they're so young. And so I guess that's where I meant with like childhood trauma, the ways in which you try to cope with the traumas that you experience that they don't even have, they don't even have words to discuss it. They talk mm. about, they talk about, they keep talking about like, Oh, mom's going to come home and Oh, mom's going to sleep in my bed. And it's this kind of, it felt like they're being shielded as they should be. They're so young. They're being shielded yeah. from whatever serious thing that's happening. That's keeping her in a hospital. And so, and especially may like her sister's going to school. May doesn't get to go to school. And so may is in this new, uh, this new home being raised by her father, her mom has gone sick. And so she starts to imagine these, you know, these creatures and yeah, these ghosts. Ghosts. Oh, they're like the, the soot sprite kind of things. Is that what you mean? The little, yeah. The black sooty things. Yeah. They, they are strange. Like they, they come and then they kind of like, that's the end of that part of the movie like they kind of like leave 10 minutes in like you you vaguely see them again later and it's like okay they've moved on to mm-hmm. another fun a fun new thing when Totoro comes I suppose like I I don't disagree with, I, I think I think the film is very serious minded in many ways um and mm-hmm. this the scenes where they sort of are worried about the mother 
like a worry about the fact that the mother's died and then um may and sort of satsuki are running to town to sort of like get on the phone and everything and call up the hospital <sighs> and call up the dad like they're very harsh like you know she's she's basically like screaming at her sister it's like you know do you want mum to die like it's very like they're very hard scenes to watch i guess well, what and I then mean, the scene with like her like, sandal in the river or the scene yeah. with the sandal in the river and things like that and i was just like this is That's a lot <laughs> Yeah, I, exactly. I'm like, oh god, this girl's mom's dying, and now she's her sister. Uh, yeah, it just felt more. It just felt more real. It felt more grounded in real life. Like these are the things that is is terrible as they are. These are things kids experience all the time, and they do things to cope with it. And so, yeah, I did. It, it just felt much different from the fantasy princess worlds of Nausicaa and um, Laputa. Yeah, absolutely. I guess. Where I'm coming from f- for thinking that it's sort of more of a childlike mm, story, like, like that, that is coming more from the more from the perspective of children than the other two movies, mm-hmm. is probably partially its cultural influence of of Totoro itself, which is just like it's based like Disney wishes it had like something that they could make toys like Totoro out of. You know, it, it's just like this big fluffy thing that all kids would absolutely love. And it's just like, it's like a classical family movie creature that like. Do you have a Totoro? <laughs> I have I have five to six different Totoros of different sizes because no, people you do kept on. Not. I do, I do. I'll show you later. I do. I have like big ones, small ones because people kept <laughs> buying them for me because it's it's such like a classic fun. Well, can I ask you how old were you when you first saw this? Like, older, too old to have toys. Like I would have been. <laughs> Although I do, no, I do have a faint memory of maybe watching this in year six Japanese class. I feel like that, mm-hmm. but this was, that was well before, that was because our teacher was actually Japanese and he would have been sort of across these things. That was well before this became, like Ghibli became a thing sort of in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have been, you know, maybe 14, 15 when I first watched this. And then when I went to Japan as like a 21, 22 year old, you know, I went to the Ghibli museum and I, I bought all the, I have like from almost every movie, I have like some little trinket. Um, <laughs> it all sits in like a bag on the back of my door. It's kind of like a joke. I just like buy these things and like I, I don't really do much with them. Occasionally I'll get the bag out. Well, you them. better bring but, me a Totoro next time I see uh, you. For sure. Um, yeah. So I, I think like just like, the, and I have a cat bus as well. So like the cat bus and Totoro. No, I do not. I do. Again, my friends bought it for me, but um <laughs> Like it's it, they're just such kid toy creature kind of things that in my head when I think about this movie I think of it as a simpler kind of cute cute movie and and it's and it's um renowned as being sort of like one of the best sort of like family films and family doesn't mean silly and like um, condescending to children I like. Family like that, the whole the whole family could watch and get something out of it. I guess is what. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what I was going for. Was that not yeah. saying it's just like so so super serious that it's only for adults? Like yeah. that's where I think that this film is so successful. Is it functions in two arenas where you could watch this as a thirty year old man or a twenty five year old or a forty year old, fifty year old, what have you, and still get something out of it. It kind of reminds me of like I think that's why Pixar had been so successful for so long mm-hmm. is because they kind of did that as well. Like. Toy Story, you know, that blew up and Timothy up. Like that's so sad in the beginning, yet kids can watch yeah. that movie and still find so much joy in it. So it just 
And I just think that it's very good at telling almost two stories at once. Yeah. And I think also having five to six Totoro toys in your late twenties is a valid lifestyle choice. And I won't hear anything else on the matter. Um, but like one, like not, not to get on this very long. It, it's also, I think by quite a long stretch, his shortest movie. And to be honest, what I, I really like this movie, like it's a classic, but what this is a step down for me slightly in terms of my enjoyment of his movies after Lapita is that it's, it feels very slight the, like in the sense that not much happens in it. I don't think emotionally it feels slight, but from a plot perspective, not a lot happens, which is totally fine. But I come leaving. I'm like, Oh, okay. So we saw Totoro like twice and then he's gone. I can tell you have a lot you want to say. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to touch on this because I was watching this movie and let's be honest, the last two films we've watched have been over two hours long. And so mm. I was watching this one and I swear to God, it ended. And I was like, wait, it's over. I seriously didn't believe that it was over. And I like turned it. I watched it twice because I was like, did I miss something? Like I watched it, it was twice. very short. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt like I'd missed something. And so um, it's only like an hour and 20 minutes long. It's very, very, very short in comparison to the other two. And I wasn't expecting that. And yeah. um, I had to look it up afterwards too, because I was very curious and I'd read somewhere that uh, Miyazaki was concerned about the financial success of this film and so he paired it with another film kind of as like a b film i don't know what that was no, that's, what we're, watch, that's, what, no, that's what we're watching next time grave of the fireflies that's what we're going to watch next okay yeah because yeah. but then it was such a huge success and like i think a lot of that success comes from you know this um creating that that beloved character it's like almost like mm-hmm. hello kitty it's a character that everyone knows like even even all my American friends when I was telling them not that the that, that studio Ghibli isn't big in America, but even when I was telling yeah. all my American friends, like I was doing this podcast, all of it, I asked a lot of them, you know, have you seen a lot of the studio Ghibli films? And most of them were like, I've seen a couple, but it was, everyone had seen my neighbor. Totoro. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the other reason why um, I sort of relate to it more as like a, a family kids film, because it's, it's at a very, it's a good length for, a kid with who doesn't have a lot of um have a great attention span um well okay let's <laughs> l- let's cut to totoro and w- what are your thoughts on totoro like are you, do you stand do you stand totoro um um no oh damn I, okay I, I, as sad as this is i really think this is sad as this is i think it's because my the bar was set way too high for me everyone talked about this one everyone like, Sorry, I mean Totoro like I said, as a character, not not a movie. No, I know. Okay. No, I know. Um, I'm not touching on the movie. I'm talking even just on the character because, like, literally, that's what everything everyone had to say whenever they were like, "I was like, have you seen a Studio Ghibli film?" Yes, I've seen my neighbor Totoro. Oh, I freaking love Totoro. And so I was like, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be a big character. I'm gonna like fall in love with this character, and you see him like what a couple times, and yeah, he just kind of screams and yells. And I'm gonna tell you right now. If a big ass monster screamed in my face like that, I would lose my shit. And so I don't know how these little girls are like just handling that. So, um, but I also kind of like, I wanted to touch on this. I don't know if this was the most appropriate moment to touch on this, but it, it yeah. really, it really reminded me of, did you ever read the books where the wild things are? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very yeah, short it, <laughs> picture book. Yeah. yeah. It's very short, but they came out with a movie for it and it Which really... It, oh, same. If Spike 
Spike Jones is incredible. Um, yeah. It, any, sorry. Um, it, it reminded me of that. And so I then started making comparisons and yeah, I guess I just didn't see enough of him to, to fall in love with Totoro. Are you, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you like, you have a bunch of Totoro stuff. Well, there, I mean, so. that's probably not because like, again, this isn't one of my favorite Ghibli films, but it probably sits around the middle, maybe upper middle, but it, it, it's just like such a, you know, who wouldn't want like a cute little stuffed toy of Totoro? Like it, it's just, it's so cute that like, it, it's for that reason, not because of any sort of great yeah. effect that I have for the character. But I, I do love how the character is sort of like characterized. Like he, he's basically like, just like a big animal who has magical powers. Mm-hmm. Like, like my, fa- I mean, to be honest, even though I do love the, the serious sort of emotional side of it, my favorite scenes are probably the ones with Totoro because it's not just like, oh, he's like a magical creature and he does things. It gives us time to really sort of understand his physiology and like how he reacts to things and what he, and I'm giving it agenda. I don't know. I'm going to say he, but it, it, who knows? Um, but like, you know, whenever we, you know, we, 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 we see exactly sort of the level of like when we first meet it, we know how fluffy it is. We know how he reacts to like a random creature. We know he enjoys sleeping we know like he's he's just like us you know he like he'll scratch himself and he'll like sneeze and stuff when so- you know and then when like may goes over and touches his nose and like his like little like whiskers tweak it's like it's like <laughs> so well it's such a well characterized um creation like i i just i just love like the, and and the details of how totoro reacts to the various things around him and how um very lifelike that is um it'd be the same if it was you know, a cat or a dog or something like that. And then the other scene um, where they're just sort of, they're waiting for the bus, which I love. It's such like a long, slow scene of them just like chilling, like waiting for the bus. And then you see like the little legs appear from underneath the umbrella and and the enjoyment that he gets from the rain droplets hitting his leaf and how excited he gets by that. That's just such like, it's such like a, it's, it's animalistic, but it's also like, childlike sense of wonderment like how as a kid you might be like oh if i do this this will happen as someone who's like learning sort of action and reaction for the first time mm-hmm. like like a like a kid might like oh if i like push this it's gonna bounce back or something and just like him yeah. discovering that in real time and like jumping so that the rain goes down on his head and he just sort of like screams and then the cat bus comes for whatever like it's so weird but i i love well what we see of totoro, totoro is is a child, right? Because Totoro yeah. is the manifestation of these children's thoughts. So, yeah, I mean, he's got childlike sense of wonder. Yeah, but it's also kind of like an animal as well. Like it, it's like a it's like a weird hybrid. Um, yeah, and and similar to our like our discussion of like the island of Laputa and um, Castle in the Sky, it's another thing where like there's no one to explain who this thing is and why it has the powers that it does and like its particular. Oh, like, you know, who those little, are they his children? Are they his friends? Like those other small ones, like maybe they mm-hmm. collect those, those nuts, but you know, and, and there's a bit of a sense that maybe he's like an embodiment of like the, the, like the God of the forest or something. Like he's like an embodiment of like nature and all those good things. And like he, like, he's like looking after the forest and looking after everyone um, as sort of like a mother nature figure. Um, but it, the movie is like, it makes, yeah, it, it doesn't attempt at all to explain the specifics of the magic and the powers. 
Whereas, you know, in an American movie, there might be a, there might be an old lady who explains, oh, Totoro is the blah, blah, blah. You know, and there might be a book that explains what Totoro is. But this is just like, yeah, it's just, it, it's like a weird animal that screams and a bus comes and, you know, the the bus can like have like name, words written on it. Like, it's just, it's like a weird childlike sense of random magic that I love about these movies. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, I don't. But I did have a question. Do you think Totoro is real? I mean, no. It, I mean, in a fantasy, what is real? You know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's hard because like they have, obviously they both see something, the exact same thing. Or, you know, there's like a shared fantasy there, which implies that um, a certain level of reality or like it implies that if they both saw the same thing and can discuss it in the broad light of day with like their dad, then it must have happened to them. But at the same time, there's also enough touches, like when they go to sleep or like when they, they create those trees in the backyard, you know, where they do that movement with all the Totoros mm-hmm. and like they make it grow and then they wake up in the morning and those trees aren't there but there's like some seedlings so there's a sense that the things that happened on their adventures um also maybe didn't really happen either w- what are your thoughts on that uh yeah um I don't think Totoro is real and I don't think that I think that children are super sensitive i think a good point that you pointed out is the fact that they can explain it but they're also siblings or sisters they have a lot of connection to each other and so i think it's easy for you to you to you to paint a picture and then for somebody else to start to believe in that picture that you're painting yeah even adults do that and so i don't i think that this is something that they've it was almost a distraction from the real world and what was happening around them. Yeah. And, but I mean, that doesn't make it any less exciting. Like, but I don't think he's real. Yeah. I mean, like whether he exists or not, he still is that sort of distraction from the hardships of life. But I mean, the more, I mean, the more we're talking about now, um, they, 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 they both kind of interact with him individually. Like May sees him first and then explains it to Satsuki. Mm-hmm. And then May is sleeping when, they see Totoro in the first, in the, the second time. So yeah, probably not real, but I mean, that, that's not really an important element of the story. Well, no, um, but the only reason why I brought it up was because we have the last couple of films we watched or have very intense, fantastical elements to them. Yeah. Um, like magic and these crystals and then these like weird sand duny creatures. Like, and so this one though, just felt much more like, Oh, this one, this isn't based in reality. Reality is these two young girls moving to a more rural area to take, to be close to their sick mother. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, for, you could, you could easily say that the movie is sort of hundred percent set in the real world and any sort of fantastical element is just sort of the imagination of the children, you know, but I mean, there's enough of a, it gives you enough reason to think that, you know, maybe, maybe they are seeing these things. Like even like the soot or whatever they, I forget what they're called in the, um, the Japanese version. Um, but like no, the soot sprites in the beginning. Like, that, dust bunny like, thingies. Yeah, yeah. Dust bunny soot sprites. They're like, they have like several names. Cause then like <laughs> the old lady comes in the end and, and gives them another name. Um, they're both kind of like interacting with that as well. Um, but again, it's a sense of, it could just be a sense of shared imagination versus like a shared fantasy that they're actually experiencing 
and like also that fear of the dark kind of thing is a very um childlike sort of thing to have and to sort of mm-hmm. to, to give like something like a scary old house to give it sort of a fantasy a fantastical element to be able to sort of defeat essentially not that not that they're ever like malicious soot sprites but to be like to create a fantasy <laughs> out of something very mundane which is like a dirty old dark house um is a very childlike thing to do and I think, yeah, again, like like you were saying in the beginning, that that's why we as adults can enjoy it because we can tap into that feeling of, oh, as a child, I'm I might have created a Totoro character, um, and like, mm-hmm. oh, there's like a little, you know, there's like a little cave of trees that you can run through, that must oh, lead yeah. to a magical world, versus it just being like, you know, something that has just happened naturally. Of course, you think that that leads to a nat- like a magical world when you're a child, like, and that's, you know, that's what we all would have believed as a child or would have tried to make happen. Um, what do you think of the, the, the young female characters and how they were characterized compared to sort of the characters that have been um, the focus of Miyazaki's films before? Um, I love them. Not, not that I don't, not that they like take away or that I have to um, compare them. I just feel like they were, the reason why I love them is they were different. And there was that like, that sister bonding, that sibling bonding, that aspect of it that um, I haven't really seen in the films prior. Like there have been elements of family, but it's usually somebody who's been um, alienated from their family, whether their family has been murdered or they're trying to go off and do something. So um, I loved, they're just so sweet, but they were just so real. Like Hmm. the older sister gets so annoyed by May and but also loves her to death lets her sit in her classroom with her even though she's so embarrassed like there's just it just was so real (laughs) yeah how about you yeah no um I think I think Miyazaki is always very good at um getting those sort of little touches of how children actually act and 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 in this particular example how siblings act around each other and how, like, you know, the younger one will sort of feed off what the older one says. Like, you know, at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. like, Kluski is saying something like, oh, look a well or something. And then May is like, oh, look a well. Like, you know, she'll just copy her. She'll do everything <laughs> that she does. And if they're separated for, like, two seconds, she'll, like, scream. Like, um, and, you know, and, 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 the scene <laughs> she's, like, and the scene where she's following Sasuke around um, when they sort of run into town. To oh, when Sasuke makes time. her the lunch just because she's going to... It just was so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also that very childlike, the real childlike thing of May just not wanting to be with, I think what they call her granny. And like where granny sort of brings her to the school, just like needing to be around May because she doesn't like trust anyone else outside of their little family in it. <laughs> That's all very real. That she would, we can just imagine that she was just like screaming the entire time she was at that neighbor's place. And like how happy she feels when she's reunited in the classroom, just like that big grin on her face. <laughs> and like she's like, I'm drawing a Totoro, and like Sasuke's like, Shut up, you're embarrassing me. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> we don't get many other. Oh no, there there are a couple movies that have characters of this age coming up, but mostly it's you know you you, you can do certain things with these characters that you can't with other characters like of a different age, but you can also do less. Mm-hmm. You know sort of things that they can do so for sure um, he uh he definitely explores various levels of adolescence throughout um and adulthood um throughout his movies shall we get to our um 
because we talked a lot about sort of random things before. Do you want to yeah. talk about um, our favorite scenes and sequences? Uh, like shots and sequences? Did you have um, some? Yeah, actually, my, mine usually are the exact same, but um, <laughs> my my favorite was when they were standing next to that big tree and their father comes and talks about, like, you know, this this tree's important, this tree's living, and I don't know, just to watch that very fatherly... I know this is a fun thing we're doing right now, but if I can incorporate some real life um, world view building into this, then I'm going to be a good parent and do so. I don't know. It just was that one stuck to me. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's a, he's a cool dad. Like we, we don't get much time with him, but um, you know, he seems, he's a pretty, he's a pretty chill guy. <laughs> um, I think for me, I have, Probably just just in talking about it, I think my favorite sequence is maybe um, just when they're waiting for the bus. Because, yeah, like I said, it's it's a very slow burn sequence. Like, they're there for a while. Like, they, it's, like, built up. They get the umbrella and everything. Um, they're just standing there. One bus goes and leaves. And they're, like, it could have been a quite sort of scary scene, which is maybe why they, why she decides for Totoro to come at that time. Um, because she's just sort of out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just just like everything I I said before, like the how Totoro is characterized and their interactions, him trying to use the umbrella, like and he's just like claws are all over it. And, like, <laughs> he, he's, like he's very dainty though. Like he doesn't like scratch through the umbrella. And then like just like the random cat bust at the end. I'm like, mm, perfect. It's just so so weird, <laughs> but also so so grounded in detail and specificity and not just trying to be like fun fantasy but to sort of actually look at how a giant monster creature and the young girl would relate to each other if they were to ever um come into contact and like and and like there's wonder in it there's awe but it's very grounded like he's not like doing really crazy he's not making like sparks fly out of his fingers he's like he he gives her like a little bag of nuts as a present like that's it's like such a cute little thing it's not like (laughs) It's not like over overblown. Okay, maybe the, the the bus is a bit strange, but but that's just like a fun little. Um, <laughs> oh, look, girls love cats. So <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, and and I love uh, I love that you do see like the cat's balls when like later in the movie when it's up on like the the wall. Like it, it's anatomically correct. Um, my favorite. So that's my favorite sequence. My favorite shot. I think I had a couple. Um, or maybe so. There's a shot. Um, I love the I love all, I love the stuff of May um, and Totoro also in like his his little um, garden bunker. I just love that little world. It's like such a cozy thing <laughs> with like little flowers on the side. Like that's the sort of thing that I love. And the, I think there's just a shot at the end of um, May sort of falling asleep on Totoro's belly, and that sort of the shot sort of like the camera like pulls up, and he sort of and sort of reveals sort of like the the, the setting inside this tree of like her sort of laying on Totoro's belly and it's just like a really beautiful, cute shot. Um, I think that there was like another sequence that I really liked for the, like, I mean, there were two, there were two things that I love about Miyazaki's movies. It's those weird fantastical elements, but then also he has, he absolutely doesn't sort of skip past the mundane, mundane sort of realities of life. Just, just like the scene where um, the father's working in like the little study area and May is like running around in the background 
and he's just like twirling like he's just like twirling his collecting flowers like, for him thing. yeah and may is just like putting flowers on his desk that mm-hmm. um she's <laughs> you're gonna be the flower shop <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and then and then he picks up one of the flowers and like twirls it in his fingers and like maybe he puts it behind his ear like he's like it's just like such a cute little scene that is totally unnecessary like if mm-hmm. you cut that you wouldn't lose anything plot wise but they're the sort of scenes that i love most about these movies that you wouldn't have in any other film you would never have you would never bother to do that because it's you know you, you're not really missing anything by that scene not being there um so i think like that sequence slash just the shot of like her putting a little like him looking over and her putting like little flowers on his desk i absolutely love that so what what okay obviously you didn't like super love this but what, what did you give let's it out do of 10 it, wait, let's do it no let's do it a little Go different on. this time i want to rate okay. i want to rate the aspects of it first and then we'll do the rating of the film Go ahead. Um, the okay. So, what did you give for sort of strong female characters? Yeah. So, out of two, we do zero, one, or two for the strong female yeah. characters. I think we already touched on it, so I'm not going to beat this dead bush. But I gave it a two. Yeah. Same. Um, you know, obviously they can't be strong in the same way that. Um, I mean, uh, when I say strong, it doesn't mean like they're you know emotionally Just, resilient. You, you say strong, or, complex female characters. Yeah. Exactly. P- people given like. Female characters yeah. given more depth than like a damsel in distress, and that's um, yeah, yeah. Th- these obviously they're not they're not the same as Nausicaa or even Sheeta, but um, they're very well developed characters, and they're different. Like they're not like two of two exactly same characters. This this yes. their stage in life is very specific to how they are relating to these different things, um, and you can tell that um, Sasuke is like definitely understands things at a higher level than May is in terms of what's happening with the mother. And like, there's just like this added complexities to her character that you don't have with May, but May is just so well drawn. as like mm-hmm. a young kid. Um, yeah. So I love it. So two for me as well. What about environmental concerns? I would give it a two and it really comes from that scene with their father where he's trying to teach them about the world. And the fact that, it, like you said, it kind of feels like it was longer ago and then they've moved to this rural area and then they're going to be more focused on family and to to care for everything. And the fact that like, they, they want to grow trees and to care for all that, I would give it a two. Yeah, I mean, beyond just sort of the sort of bucolic setting, like the fact that they're sort of in the country um, and there's, uh, and it, like the fact that like there's just nature all around them, I think, yeah, both... The, the scene with the father sort of explaining why, you know, back in the old days, you know, we used to get along with, you know, trees. And then also the character mm-hmm. of Totoro himself, perhaps as, um, like, yeah. the god of the forest, if, if that's how you want to. I mean, the kids don't really, wouldn't give him that necessarily, that assignment. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. They probably, they just see him as, like, a fun a fun sort of monster. But I think the movie is sort of implying that Fluffy. if this character does exist, he's sort of representing the spirit of nature and sort of yeah he's representing sort of the like a he's given sort of an anthropomorphic um body to nature and to the forest something beyond just like an animal that's just like swimming around uh so yeah so definitely a two for me um it you know it's, it's not not in the same way as nausicaa is but in a more subtle um more real kind of way what about um the prevalence of flying machines and flight I mean, I gave it a one just for the cat bus, but other than that, like, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, I was going to give it zero, but then there's also, like, the weird spinning top thing, and then they kind of fly around on it. Um, 
No, I'm gonna give it a zero. I, I, I don't. There, there's no. Do it. You know, there's no dirigibles or like old school flying things. I'm gonna give it a no. zero. I don't think it's super important. Um, and I guess skipping ahead to water, I also don't think that's super important. Um, like in terms of there being lots of rivers and islands or boat type creature, um, boat type um, structures, I probably would also give that a zero. What did you give for that? Yeah, I give it a zero too. I mean, there was a moment yeah. of like, uh, well, because we defined a zero of from slim to none. And so the slim yeah. for me would be um, the fear of maybe being dead in that river. But other yeah. Than that. <laughs> yeah. It's not there because he enjoys the textures of the water or, you know, he's doing a lot of <laughs> cute, cute things. Like it's, yeah. it's there because May can't drown on land, you know? Like, yeah. That, that, that's a plot yeah. thing. Um, and, and okay. Lastly, what, what would you give out of two the importance of love or the power of love? I give it a two and not because it's like, Oh, if we believe in love our mom won't die, but it's more so there's yeah. just that intense familial love and, and like love for sibling that um, I'd give it a two. Yeah, I wrote one just because it's yeah, more of an unspoken thing that you know you can you can actually see in the characters itself rather than it being sort of like if you love it, you know, if you loved more this um floating island wouldn't have to explode kind of thing. Yeah. Um so it it definitely yeah. makes sense to give it to, but I'm just in terms of how I'm sort of relating to that criteria, I'm I'm going to stick with one. We're different people, so we have different decisions. Can we though? <laughs> I don't like it when people disagree with me. Uh, so out of oh, out of no, ten no. for out of ten for excuse me <laughs> out of ten for those elements, um, what what did that add, add up to? I had five. That added up to an eight for me. Oh, oh cool. Wow. Um, and hmm. so the, the movie it, itself. Do you want to talk about what you gave it and why? Yeah, um, I gave it when I first watched it. I gave it a seven. Um, but the f- I thought about it more, and I j- and that's a sign to me that I like a movie or that a movie has uh, had an effect on me. Is if I continue to think about it past you know just seeing it, and the more yeah. I think about it, I landed on an eight, um, and mostly just because, like I said, it was I'm a I'm a sucker for some character, and I'm a sucker for I don't need a lot of spectacle. I just want to watch my characters grow, and I want them to be complex, and to have to have to. F- uh, grapple with very real world, real life things. And so I gave us an eight. How about you? I also gave it an eight. Um, like, well, yeah, when I say it's like, wow, sort of we agree. Mm-hmm. When I say it's sort of in the middle of the pack, um, it's just because I love all these movies so much. And I get, I get a little bit more out of the movies that have more going on, but uh, I still think, this is like a really well done movie. I think the animation is still beautiful. It's obviously not as there's less complexities to sort of what has to be sort of shown on screen. They're not creating new worlds. It's a very sort of realistic sort of setting. Mm-hmm. But of course that that's as challenging, if not more challenging than um, like drawing sort of real life is just as challenging um, as sort of being able mm-hmm. to sort of just have fun and create things that are completely new that people are less familiar with. Um, so I think, yeah, the animation is still completely up to scratch and like, yeah, the, there's a lot of, a lot of strong emotion is drawn out of quite a sort of slight narrative, but yeah, again, like you, you know, the movie ends and you kind of just want like a little bit more, like either a little bit more Totoro because it's sort of, you've been teased 
with that or a little bit more, you know, do we, you know, just, you know, is the mum going to do something or, you know, are they going to have sort of more interactions there? So you just sort of, there's just like something about the way the story is told that you kind of, maybe it's just based on expectations that I'm bringing to the movie and putting on it unfairly, but there's always like, oh, I wish I had like a little bit more, especially because like the last couple of movies are quite dense in terms of all the amazing things that Mm -hmm. are happening in this. And it's like, oh, that's cute. You know, and that's, oh, that's really nice. Or that's, oh, that's powerful. But it, yeah, it, at 80 minutes, it's, it's kind of like you are left wanting more in both good and sort of less satisfying ways. But I still gave it an A because I still think it's great um, with what it's doing. Now, we didn't, there's probably not as much to talk about here. We didn't, we didn't do this for the last episode, but do you have any sort of connections that you want, that you can sort of relate to the previous um Miyazaki films anything that's like oh that's quite similar to something that happened or that character is quite similar to a previous movie yeah no this one felt pretty different to me it was more so the just this continued theme of environmental concern and to like uh to give to give nature and to the other things in the world to give them their respect that they deserve so that's that's pretty much it yeah, I think, I mean, the movie is really taking on similar themes um, and has similar things on its mind, but it's presenting it in a very different setting and with very different characters um, at, than the previous Miyazaki movies, which is why, um, yeah, it, it's quite refreshing to see this. It's not like another dense action-adventure kind of story because that could have gotten a little bit boring um, after all the the stuff that sort of happens in Nausicaa and Castle yeah. in the Sky. So, okay, so what, so your, your total score was 16, correct? Correct. And mine was 13, I think, yeah. Again, just based on the, the weird criteria that I decided that we were going to watch these through. And then, uh, well, okay, so the next movie <laughs> we're going to watch is, Gra- is Grave of the Fireflies, which is the first um, Isao Takahata movie that we're going to watch. And I'm going to create um, oh, okay. five new five new criteria for those movies because these were specific to Miyazaki not not for Ghibli in particular so I've I've thought about a little bit it's a little bit harder because he has I think five movies versus Miyazaki who has maybe 10 or something so there's but I I think I have five that are I think some will be similar but um some will be quite different as well the criteria so something for you to look forward to next time um I'm excited We'll see you then. Uh, it's a, even though they were like sort of double build, uh, they came out at the same time. Grave of the Fireflies is very different. Um, I think you'll enjoy. I think you'll Ooh. think it's a good movie. So that's all I'll, I'll say on that. <laughs> I'm excited. See you then. See ya.